I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? There's Donald. Airing it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Bell breaks a tackle. Bell trying to go all the way. Way beyond Bell. Touchdown. Big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. Touchdown. 85 yards. Looking downfield. Fires this one. And intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Thank you. From the Vivid Seat Studios, and by the way, you can get up to 100 bucks off your first ticket purchase at Vivid Seats when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code OVERTIME. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason, and this is the pregame report. So that means that I am joined by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com, and of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, is it true that you now despise Alan Schechter because he got to the Jets Insider offices before you? Yes, I'm furious. <laughs> that, furious that somebody could beat me to some place. Um, wait, that's not how I operate. I'm late for everything. So, yeah, no, I don't operate on that same type of uh, mentality. That's I move at a slightly different pace than uh, Greg Williams and Jamal Adams do. So <laughs> if you hadn't followed that story, Greg Williams was saying that he was annoyed because Jamal Adams made a point of razzing Greg Williams over the fact that he got to the facility before Greg Williams did, which is kind of awesome because it shows you how dedicated Jamal Adams is. And it also is nice that he feels free to make jokes with a complete psychopath like Greg Williams like that without fearing reprisal. But man, on some level, what kind of messed up people do you have to be to fight over who got to the office earlier? As far as I'm concerned, I'm a guy that gets to the office when I need to be there and leaves when I need to leave. I guess that's why I never made it as a pro football player. Well, that and the fact that I don't have any talent for playing football that would lead me to the NFL. Yeah, it's it's unbalanced behavior to be honest. Like it it just is. <laughs> and it's like it's it's some sociopath type stuff. Like you got I got to beat him to to there at like 4:30 in the morning just to hold it over and you know, I I I used to uh get to jobs early on time to try to impress people, but like that doesn't mean that I did more work. I just I was just there earlier and I just found different ways to waste time to kill kill more time in the couple of extra uh hours I was there or whatever. So, I mean, obviously Bo- Jamal is putting in work. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what he did or that's what Greg Williams does cuz that's what these people do. 
they go in and they work. And that that's part of the reason why I always laugh when people act like their players are overpaid and, oh, they get paid for 16 Sundays a year. No, these people work all year round and they they work all day round during the season they barely sleep they get up super early they're in there working out and exercising breaking down film going over game plans then actually out on the practice field it's nuts but like again to be honest just to be a professional athlete at any level is kind of sociopath behavior speaking of sociopath behavior Let's talk about this real briefly because it doesn't necessarily impact the Jets, at least not this week. It might later in the season when the Jets play the Oakland Raiders. But Chris, Antonio Brown, this whole thing with Mike Mayock, and let's rehash this very briefly. Mike Mayock apparently fined Antonio Brown for missing practice. Antonio Brown posted it on Instagram. He was asked why. He did not like being asked why. Also did not like being fined in the first place essentially threatened to beat Mayock up and kicked the ball and said, find me for that. This according to several witnesses, Adam Schefter reporting on this. And then he had the tear-filled apology to his teammates, although he never mentioned Mayock by name. Apparently, if you believe what they said, he apologized to Mayock privately. But now, Chris, comes the latest. He posted a video on YouTube that includes audio of a private conversation with him and John Gruden where John Gruden is basically begging him to knock all of this off and act like a normal human being. This is insane behavior by any definition of the word insane. I don't know what the heck he is doing here. I am really, really glad the Jets did not make the mistake of trading for this lunatic because if you recall, there were quite a few people that thought it would be a good idea. Yeah, uh Listen, I'm, I don't want to get too much into this, but there's something off with Antonio Brown, uh, and that has been for a while. I Just his mental health, whatever it is, there's, there's something going on there, and he can't really be controlled or tamed. You give him all that money, and it's, it's gone to him, and it, it, this was, it's been obvious that it was going to be – it was a problem in Pittsburgh – and the way that ended, you, you know, I can't imagine that it would have gone any different anywhere else he would have gone. The, this is what what he's going to do right now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and crush him for his behavior because I, I don't know what's going on in there. But I know that you don't want it. this. We often talk about distractions and all this type of stuff with the NFL. And most of the time when people are talking about that or worrying about it as a potential problem, it's usually nonsense. This is a distraction that can actually have a negative impact on your team. This is a problem. And if you didn't see the potential for this to be the case a long time ago, I don't really know what to say. Like it, it, this shouldn't, surprise anybody the the details might surprise you or be like take you by surprise but the end result shouldn't surprise anyone imagine having this guy around sam Darnold, a 22 year old quarterback going into his second season in the league trying to assert himself as one of the leaders of the team and then having to deal with this 
just bonkers. Like you said, Chris, I don't know what's going on with Antonio Brown, and I don't feel comfortable speculating because obviously neither one of us has that kind of training in the mental health field. And even if we did, we really couldn't say anything for sure without seeing Antonio Brown personally. But there's definitely some stuff going on with him, and I don't know how this is going to end, but it doesn't look like it's going to end well. And I hope that Antonio Brown can get his personal life together, even if he never really gets his football life back together in terms of being able to work with other human beings again. It's funny, too, because the Raiders went out of their way to publicly support the guy, and this is what it ended up getting them. So, again, I cannot stress enough how much I'm glad the Jets do not have him on this team. There were people that were suggesting they should put Robbie Anderson in a deal to get Antonio Brown. And man, oh man, where would they be if that was the case? Even though Robbie Anderson is a little bit nicked up right now, he's on the Jets injury report. And so he may or may not be somebody that you want for fantasy football this week. If you're going to be playing fantasy football, and if you are playing fantasy football, you want to do it with the great people over at FanDuel because right now, if you sign up as a first-time user, you get 20 bucks in store credit when you make your first deposit of $20 or more. The beautiful part of FanDuel is it's daily fantasy, so you don't have to worry about being stuck with the same players all year long. Your roster is flexible. Injuries and busts can't end your season. You get a new team every week, so if a guy has a terrible week, you don't have to worry about that guy ruining your team for the rest of the year. And the best part, you get a chance to win millions of dollars. If you sign up now, you get 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of 20 bucks or more to get started, and you'll get an extra 5 bucks in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy. That's FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy, or download the FanDuel app. And now, if you want to know all about whether or not Robbie Anderson should be in your lineup, let's talk about that injury report, courtesy of somebody who would know a thing or two about injuries. He's a 35-year orthopedic surgeon and a frequent guest of this show. He's going to be on every week to break down the injury report every week during the NFL season. Dr. Steven Stoller. Doc, what's going on, sir? Oh, Scott, thanks for inviting me. My pleasure, Doc. Always glad to have you. So let's talk about the Jets injury report, because as somebody who has 35 years of experience dealing with orthopedic injuries, you're obviously yeah. somebody that knows quite a bit about these injuries and how these players can be affected. There were three guys on the injured list this week. We'll start with Robbie Anderson. We know about his strained calf. He is going to play, and so are the other two players on the injured list, namely Braxton Berrios and Tremaine Johnson. We're going to get to them next because they have the same injury. But first, tell me about this injury to Robbie Anderson and what it might do to limit him because Robbie is obviously somebody that relies heavily on his speed. And so I would assume, as a layman, that the calf injury could significantly impact how much speed he'll be able to have. Well, the injury to his calf is a strain, and a strain is an injury to the muscle or tendon in the body. And the tendon connects the muscle to the bone um, in order for it to move when the muscle contracts. And most of these injuries are related to the tendon. And the reason why these injuries tend to linger longer than I guess most people would expect is because the tendon has a poor blood supply and therefore has a uh, slower uh, healing rate than a muscle. But I would imagine in Robbie's case, um, 
being that it's only been, he's been limited for a couple of weeks, uh, that's not severe. That's probably a grade one injury. And he's been limited, but practicing. So I think it's not going to affect him all that much. I would expect to see him with a uh, compression stocking that he'll probably wear on his leg, maybe both. I don't know. Um, and during the times that he's not playing, if he feels that his calf is going to get tight on him, that you may see him on a stationary bike, uh, keeping the blood flow to that area and making sure uh, that he does not get tight and uh, will not have any difficulty returning. Let's talk about the other injuries now. Both the same one. It's a pulled hamstring. We know that Tremaine Johnson's been dealing with this. It's why he sat out for a while. Braxton Berrios, who the Jets picked up, who is going to be the starting punt returner, suffering from the same injury. So tell me a little bit about how this injury could limit these guys. It's different with both of them because Tremaine Johnson's going to be looking to play cornerback and cover guys, whereas Berrios' main role is going to be a punt returner. How will this affect the two of them in those respective roles? Well, in Tremaine Johnson's role, the, the, the hamstring causes your knee to bend backwards or your, and your hip to bend backwards. So when he's backpedaling, um, that could affect, you know, his ability to backpedal. Um, with Barrios, it also would have to do with sprinting. So in being a punt returner, he obviously has to sprint. So I think that that could affect him um, with those activities. However, with Trevane Johnson, he's had this for a while. So I imagine that, you know, with the treatment that he's had, um, given that, that should be given him enough time for him to be fully recovered, um, I would expect both of them to be wearing compression shorts underneath their uniforms. And also, like I mentioned with Robbie, that during the time that they're not playing to keep the muscle warm and get a blood flow to that area, uh, that they may be on a stationary bike if it's, you know, a significant injury and they're worried about that. Uh, otherwise, uh, Braxton, it's hard for me to tell because he's just started um, on the team and I don't know how long he had sustained this injury. But I think for Tremaine Johnson, uh, he should be fully recovered. But overall, Gase playing these three guys is the right move. It doesn't sound like any of the three are going to be impacted that badly by their respective injuries. No, I think usually the way they present the injuries are worse than they are. They really like to keep the information you know, confidential. And uh, if anything hides some of the more significant injuries, if they expect the player to play. So I would think that it's a smart move or it's just a standard move by Gaze to have these players play on Sunday. Doc, one last thing before I let you go. You were talking to me on the phone before about Avery Williamson and his prognosis. Now, obviously, he's not going to play this year. We know that. But he did just have surgery for his injury what can you tell us about what his recovery is likely to entail, and do you see him being ready for next season? Well, Avery Williamson had surgery this week uh, for an ACL reconstruction. 
And with the modern, you know, arthroscopic uh, techniques and minimally invasive uh, surgery, uh, you know, as you can see, it's really rare that um, an athlete in football in particular doesn't return. Uh, so I expect him to return in six months. He should be recovered. So we should be easily uh, recovered by next year. Doc, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And we're going to be doing this every week. I'm really looking forward to doing this throughout the season. It's really cool to have somebody with this level of knowledge on to break these injuries down. Thanks so much for coming on. I know that you're very interactive on Twitter, and you love to talk to fellow Jets fans about this stuff. So if they have questions, you're willing to answer them for them? Anytime. I'm the aging athlete. You can find me on Twitter. Um, And, yeah, it's always fun to speak to other Jet fans. And uh, also any Jet haters. (laughs) Hopefully not too many of those. Thanks so much, Doc. My pleasure, Scott. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Chris, now that we've gone through the injury report with Dr. Stoller, let's talk a little bit about some of the keys to the game. First of all, an old friend is coming into town, an old friend who is not happy that the Jets decided to let him walk. That, of course, is kick-punt returner Andre Roberts, who made the Pro Bowl last year. There was a lot talked about as far as Andre Roberts trying to make the Jets pay, perhaps by returning one for a touchdown at MetLife Stadium to show them that they made the wrong decision. And he's not playing. Yeah, he's he's not going to be able to prove the Jets wrong this week. Uh, he's going to have to wait. Wait week seventeen. He'll get another chance to 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 do it to the Jets. But this week he won't be able to, as he's not going to be playing with the injury. Um, so that eliminates that storyline. Thank God, because uh, like if we haven't already focused enough on the the. Uh, on Gase and McCagnan deciding not to sign him and re-sign uh, Jason Myers. That's pretty much dominated the news cycle around the Jets for the last two weeks. So luckily we won't have to deal with that uh, that part of the story on Sunday. We can just focus on you know the rest of the team. And the rest of the team is going to include Sam Darnold, who is going to be one of the major keys to victory for the New York Jets. This is kind of how I feel about it, Chris, and I think this is a general rule for the Jets. If they can score 30 points or more, they're going to very much be in the conversation to win most of their games. I don't think they need that many points against Buffalo because Buffalo's offense isn't as high-powered. I don't necessarily trust Josh Allen to be able to produce that kind of offense. But I do think that one of the major keys to this is going to be how Sam Darnold navigates the offense in his second year. Obviously, he had his ups and downs at the beginning of last year, and then the last four games, he played excellent. He's going to need to pick up where he left off last year here in Week 1 at MetLife Stadium against the Bills, and I think that a lot of this is going to involve spreading the ball around. You can't let them focus in on any one person, and the Bills have a pretty strong secondary, so 
I think if he can spread the ball around to the various targets that he has, including Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield, and maybe some trickery with Ty Montgomery doing a little bit of a running back wide receiver hybrid job, that will go a long way towards determining if this offense has enough to overcome the Bills' defense. Yeah, you mentioned the, the Bills' secondary, but that that front is... is just as good is mm-hmm. equally good they are a dangerous front there's a lot of talent up there uh that can be really disruptive especially against an offensive line as as weak and underwhelming as the jets have so they they got a strong front that can definitely cause problems uh in both the running game and against Arnold uh one thing you're going to have to look out for all year long is Arnold being able to work his way around the pocket, be able to manipulate the pocket, step up, roll out, and still make plays. That That's the one thing that's like saving me from screaming about this offensive line potentially being a huge disaster, as I think Darnold will be able to work around it a lot. But to have to worry about that and then that, uh, that very impressive and aggressive secondary, it, it, it's going to be tough if, uh, I agree with your point about getting to 30 points uh, most weeks. And this week, if they get 30 points, they're almost definitely winning because mm-hmm. I don't see the Bills putting up 30 points. But it's going to be really tough to get 30 points in this week one game against the Bills. Uh, you know, obviously you got Robbie Anderson. It's going to be covered uh, by – you got to think Tredavious White is going to be – covering him for at least most of the game. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Robbie can probably use his speed to get open on some plays, but Tredavious White's one of the best corners in the game. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for him. So you got to think that Quincy Inunua and Jamison Crowder are going to get some touches. You're going to have to see how they use Le'Veon and Ty Montgomery it's on at times, both on the field at the same time. Who goes out wide? Who's the running back? What they do? How well well is the run blocking working there? So they're going to have to try to keep the Bills' defense, you know, off balance, keep them guessing, and find holes in there. But this is a really, really solid defense all the way through. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Another key to this matchup, as far as I'm concerned, is the offensive line and how much push they can get up front. Now, Obviously, we know they weren't great against the pass last year, but they were far worse against the run. Hopefully, they improve that with the additions of Kalechia Semele at guard and at center, the returning from retirement Ryan Khalil. If they do, then perhaps Le'Veon Bell has himself a nice day in his first game back since the 2017 season. But I think that's something that isn't getting talked about anywhere near enough. We hear all the time about how the offensive line has to find a way to keep Sam Darnold from getting killed. But I think one of the less talked about keys to this matchup, and really a lot of the season, is how well they block in the running game because they were really, really bad at it last year. And there needs to be a big improvement if A, Bell is going to be as effective as the Jets hope he can be, and B, the Jets are able to have any kind of balanced offensive attack. Yeah, and that's going to be a little bit even more of a concern this week, not just because they're they're playing the Bills' defense. <clears throat> but remember, this interior line has not uh, taken a single rep together mm-hmm. in the preseason. Ryan Khalil has not uh, taken a single snap in the preseason. Osemele was out uh, during preseason. So was Brian Winters. 
Um, they have, they've practiced together, but even that is only a short amount of time. They've only had a handful of practices together. So we have no idea what Ryan Khalil is at this point of his career, what he, how he's going to do. Obviously, I don't doubt his, uh, the mental aspect of it for him. He'll be fine there, but physically and then how they'll work together. And Adam Gase has kind of been brushing it off with, they're all veterans. They know what they're supposed to be doing and they'll get it figured out. And yeah, okay, I get it. But again, first game of the year, they haven't really practiced together. That's going to make it, it. I can understand brushing it off if it was, we were talking about like the Eagles offensive line or the Colts offensive line or somebody that had a really great offensive line. We already have concerns about this line no matter what. And now you're telling me that they haven't practiced or played together at all, and we have those concerns. That's going to be even more alarming. I, I And, again, you can look for Sam to be able to help out with some of it in the running game. <clears throat> the hope you're going to have to have is that Le'Veon Bell will be able to make up for some of it. And we'll also have to see, though, how this line blocks specifically for Le'Veon Bell because he is such a patient runner. Uh, is that something that can help the offensive line, or is that something that could be more of a problem? So we'll have to wait and see exactly how that goes. But if if that isn't a concern for you right now, then I, you're living in a fantasy world right now. I thought that Tremont Williams had one of the best quotes that I've heard in a while after the Packers defeated the Bears to open the 2019 football season. And what he said was, essentially, we knew we could win if we could force Mitchell Trubisky to play quarterback. I think the same thing applies, and that's a huge key to this game, and we'll get into the specifics of it in a bit. But first, Chris, I think if the Jets can force Josh Allen to play quarterback, in other words, if they can contain his runs and make him beat them, passing the football, then they are going to have an extremely high probability of winning this game. Yeah, it's really a perfect quote from Tremont Williams. Uh, it's just it's just great. Uh, absolutely perfect. Hit the nail on the head. Um, and it, it definitely applies to Josh Allen as well. Uh, as a runner, on, honestly, there, there I don't know that there's anybody that – uh, from the quarterback position that scares you as much since Vic, like, and, and Allen is a bigger, stronger version of that. Um, as a runner, he is scary. If, if he gets out on the side and he starts rolling and running downfield, he has a little bit of space. You're holding your breath because he, he can do something spectacular. You keep him in the pocket, you keep him contained in there. That's obviously that's what has to be done. They have to keep those edges set. They have to keep him contained, and they have to collapse the pocket around him and try to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. <clears throat> Get him leaning and throwing off his back leg because now if he's sitting back there comfortable in the pocket and has all the time in the world, he can unleash that cannon of an arm, maybe hit John Brown super deep, but he gets skittish sitting around in that pocket. And if he feels somebody coming, even if they're not even particularly close, he will panic and he will throw off his back foot. Or if you're just, <clears throat> if he's sitting there saying, oh, let me hit this, uh, you know, drag route underneath 
well, he doesn't have good touch. He's never had good touch. He's always struggled with that. Uh, you know, they went and signed Cole Beasley in the offseason. They think that'll help the short passing attack and be able to do all those slants and crossers. But that, those throws Josh Allen has struggled with since he was in college. So he's going to have to hit those throws and make those throws. But the one area we know he's incredibly dangerous, maybe more dangerous than anybody else as a quarterback, is running the ball. Again, he's really fast, he's elusive, and he's strong. And He's like if Big Ben could run, like, is really what it's like. He, he can lower his shoulder and, and pull over defenders. So that's what they have to do. They have to really worry about that, and they have to – be able to stop that by keeping him in the pocket and forcing him to pass the ball. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. As I've said many times, the Giants made a mistake by picking the second best running back in the 2018 draft at number two overall. Exactly. He <laughs> he is we all before the draft, because remember Everyone was talking about Lamar Jackson needs to switch to receiver. And uh, all ty- all of us were joking about Josh Allen needing to switch to tight end. We really should have made the joke about him switching to uh, running back. Uh, it is funny, though, how, how many people were, like, shocked and surprised by how athletic Josh Allen was. <laughs> like, okay, you didn't watch him in college because you could tell that was not the problem with him. He is a – incredible athlete it's it's the whole throwing of the ball that he gets him into trouble and to that end I think a big part of the key to stopping Allen which is going to be the key to beating the Bills at least on that side of the ball is you have to put a spy out there now it could be CJ Mosley it could be somebody else but they have got to commit to keeping Josh Allen contained and not letting him get outside the pocket because that's where he's dangerous. And as Tremont Williams said with Mitchell Trubisky, they knew that if they could force him to play quarterback, they could win. Same thing here. And the way that you force him to play quarterback is you have got to find a way to spy him with somebody and keep him in the pocket. So I would think that you're probably looking at somebody like C.J. Mosley for that assignment because why else would you pay him $17 million? I mean, C.J. Mosley's not a bad, uh, you know, a, a bad choice there. But how about Blake Cashman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that Blake, could work too. Blake Cashman's got speed. Uh, he can. That's a simple thing for him to do. It's not like you're asking, you know, some complicated, complex thing for a rookie linebacker to do. He can go out there and he can do it. I could also see them. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but Greg Williams. Doing gonna do all types of funky lineups and three uh, safety sets, and he'll be trying to create pressure in other ways. I could also see that him using Jamal as a as a spy form on certain plays or Marcus. Um, so those the, they'll mix it up a little bit, but I I like the idea of Blake Cashman being out there just because of his speed. I could see that too. I would consider going with Mosley if for no other reason than he is easily the best player in that linebacking core, and so you want to trust your best player and the guy that has the best and clearest understanding of what's going on in the field to stop the major weapon that the other team has. And I will say this, though, regardless of whether or not they put a spy out there, it may not be enough because, as you said, Allen can be mildly terrifying running the ball. So that falls to the defensive line a lot of the times. And as you said, 
Williams is going to get creative with what he does, calling the formations. <coughs> but you've got the Williams boys up there, Leonard Williams and Quinnen Williams. You've also got Henry Anderson. You've got Steve McClendon. These are guys that are going to have to do a good job of pushing back on the Buffalo offensive line. I know that they are much improved from where they were before. They had some draft picks. They made some additions in free agency, including Mitch Morse. But, of course, the issue here is that much like you said with the Jets, this offensive line doesn't have much time together. And so the Jets could potentially take advantage of that. Plus, there's also been some injuries. Mitch Morse had gone through concussion protocol recently. So I think the defensive line, in addition to the linebackers spying Allen, are going to be huge here because if they can really get some push on that Buffalo offensive line, it could be difficult for anybody to get outside of the backfield. Yeah, and uh, Buffalo's offensive line last year was dreadful. I mean, they were awful. Uh, They've made some signings and they've made some improvements, or at least what they hope are improvements on that line. But you still have to think that there's weaknesses that can be attacked and that the Jets can exploit there. So they're going to have to go out there and prove it. Uh, you know, I think they will. the Bills will be a much improved um, running offense outside of Josh Allen. Uh, I really like uh, Singletary. Uh, Frank Gore is, you know, he's still Frank Gore. He's, gonna, he's not going to be breaking huge runs, but he can still pick up little chunks here and there. Uh, but this is a tough matchup for them. Um, because that defensive line it, it should be able to beat them to the spot and should be able to uh, hold them in check really well. It's just that wild card of Josh Allen because you don't know when he's going to take off or where he's going to take off from, and he can spin entire defenses around. So they're going to have to really keep a close eye on that and play smart and contain football there. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things uh, – Setting the edge and contain can be a frustrating thing to hear all the time, um, especially when it's a, a reason for why you weren't getting sacks. But against Josh Allen, that that's something that has to be done. And this defensive line should be up to the task. We're, we're going to find out on Sunday just how improved this Bills offensive line is. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. The Jets defensive backs specifically their corners are absolutely terrible and we all know this however we also know that Josh Allen has had a lot of accuracy issues so if the defensive line and the linebacking court can do enough to at least disrupt Allen that might be enough to overcome those really bad corners but in the event that Allen has any kind of time to throw they have to at least find a way to limit what he can do with the football through the air. We know what they have to do as far as stopping him running the ball, but as far as throwing the ball, yes, he's been inaccurate, but these corners are so bad that all bets are off. So they have to find a way that if Allen gets time, they do not let him connect on these passes because we know that they made some upgrades in the offseason wide receiver, Cole Beasley, one of them. And so Allen has more capable weapons this year, although it's not like he has murderer's row, but still better than last year. These corners have got to at least do a somewhat acceptable job of keeping Allen from being able to make any of those plays because he may not be accurate all the time and he may not be consistent, but we do know that he has arm talent and we also know that these cornerbacks are among the worst in the league. So they've got to at least 
hold up their end of the bargain. I'm not saying they have to be Darrell Revis or anything like that, but at least be passable. Yeah, and the receiver that scare would scare me is John Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, again, Josh Allen has that cannon. Josh Brown, uh, John Brown can fly, absolutely fly, and he is basically a deep ball threat, and that's about it. Uh, he will take the top off a of defense. Is this might be the one game where it kind of makes sense for Greg Williams to? line up a safety 30, 40 yards off the line of scrimmage. So maybe that can actually help them because they can be that safety can be ready to go uh, get John Brown when he uh, inevitably flies past whoever's uh, guarding him. But that that's, you know, Josh Allen's going to make some plays with his legs. He's going to make some plays with his arms, uh, but he's going to have, in uh, consistency issues and he's going to make some mistakes too the key is with john brown he can make one really good pass that gets them seven points um this defense is obviously susceptible to that so that's going to be an area to watch out for and uh, an area of concern there but that he it could just be you know in a matter of seconds he just does it right and hits him on a perfect pass, and it's seven points right there. And that that's the thing that I'd be most concerned about. Uh, that's the most dangerous situation in the pass game right there. And that leads to the final key as far as I see it, Chris, and then I'm going to ask you if there's anything that you think I missed. But the kicking game here, because the Jets are running out there with a kicker who's never kicked in an NFL game before, And this is a game that very well could come down to the wire. They may end up needing several field goals, let alone what could become a game-tying field goal or a game-winning field goal. And so if the Jets are going to have an opportunity to win this game, unless Sam Darnold just goes out there and lights it up like nobody's business or the defense destroys Josh Allen all day, both of which could happen, you're looking at the kicker probably playing a pivotal role here and so whether we like it or not, Corey Vedvek is most likely going to be very important to the outcome of this game. Yeah, and this is going to be a theme all season. Uh, you know, we've talked about the Jets being improved, how competitive they're going to be. Uh, but I still expect them to be in a lot of close games. And I, I think this will be a relatively close game as well. I don't expect either of these offenses to be going and just lighten it up and um, turning this into a blowout. Um, you know, the only way I can see that happen is one of the offenses self-destructs and just they turn the ball over a bunch. So uh, the kicker is obviously going to play a more important role in those close games. Uh, he's he's never uh, kicked in a regular season game. We saw how he did in the preseason. Uh, he, he was so bad in the preseason that the Vikings cut him, but despite trading a fifth-round pick for him just a couple weeks ago. So... I, that's that's obviously going to be something to have to be concerned about. Um, but, I mean, what can you do at this point but sit there and just wait and see and just hope and pray? That's that's what the Jets coaching staff is doing. That's what the players will be doing. That's what you fans will be doing. Um, you know, I, I made my prediction. I I went and I gave a – I said that basically calculated that he'd miss an extra point, but I got to make it a couple field goals. So that should be good enough to balance it out. 
but it, it's his first real regular season game. He struggled as much as he did in the preseason. I can't sit here and say, okay, he struggled like that in the preseason. Now it's just going to click and he's going to be perfect in the regular season. So you got to think a mistake or two is coming. Uh, also, how is he going to handle kickoffs and all that? How's that going to work out? Uh, this is a huge question mark. It's a huge unknown going into this game. He could win them the game or he could completely cost them the game or it could go relatively unnoticed. There is, there is nothing that can happen with him in this game that, that could really surprise me at this point. Chris, any keys to this game that you think I missed? You know, the, I mean, this is an obvious thing, but injuries, like just worrying about injuries. If one of those receivers gets hurt, uh, that that's going to be a big problem. If uh, if they have a cornerback uh, get hurt, that it probably won't be as big of a problem in this game uh, with that passing offense. But you know, there's the, the I don't know how how that I'd say that this is going to uh, determine the outcome of the game. But I will like to mention the uh, the fact that we have two defensive rookies that were picked in the top 10 of the draft that will be playing. So it'll be interesting to see <clears throat> Quinn and Williams, how he does and Ed Oliver, how he does. And again, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Ed Oliver. I think we can see him making plays and see a lot of what makes him so special uh, against this underwhelming offensive line of the jets. I think that pretty much sums up the keys to this game, Chris. So with all of that being said, why don't we go ahead and let everybody know where they can read the stuff that you've written leading up to this game. I know you've got plenty of it, and so does your deputy editor, Alan Schechter, the number one fan in the entire world of Jets practice squad offensive lineman Calvin Anderson. Yeah, I got uh, I got my game preview up right now with prediction, keys to the game. Uh, a lot of stuff we went over, but uh, a little more, uh, you know, said it a little differently and a little more detail. Um, and, uh, I got that up there right now. I got that out there today. Got some more stuff coming. Uh, Alan's decided he's going to do a, like a series every, every week before the game. Uh, he's, he's going to post an article looking, highlighting one game from the past, particularly memorable game. So he's got a game, uh, against the bills up there right now. You can go check that out and, and relive that past with them. And obviously, we'll have a whole bunch more covering the game and then wrapping up everything, uh, you know, after the game and digging into what happened, why they win or lost, why they won or lost, and move on from there. We will be back tomorrow with a game day morning mailbag, which is also going to include gambling tips, fantasy tips, and a weather report from my buddy Ed Valley, the head honcho over at Empire Weather. In the meantime, though, go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Follow Alan Schechter at Alan underscore Schechter, S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. Read Chris's very big deal work and also Alan's not as big deal work, but still pretty big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.